0: James 5, uh, beginning at verse 13. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then this is really the promise. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Just four, four thoughts, four points tonight. Um, first of all, this promise... Is, is for the ordinary believer. And that needs to be said because that phrase, a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous man, might very well throw us off. We could read it and be like, shucks, doesn't apply to me. A righteous man, I'm not very Righteous. You know, if we think about our own faith and life, um, we might think my prayers probably would be more weak and useless than powerful and effective. James anticipates that this phrase, a righteous man, could throw us off, send us down the the wrong path, and make us think we're left out of this promise. In the very next verse, I didn't read it. If you got your Bibles open, you can check it out. In the very next verse, he talks about Elijah and Elijah's powerful prayers and Elijah's effective prayer. And he calls Elijah a man just like us. And that gives us a clue of what righteous man is talking about. Righteous people are people just like you and me. Righteous people are sinners who have received grace. In other words, righteous people are are ordinary people like you and me. It's righteousness not meaning a righteousness in ourselves. This isn't talking about a person who's self-sufficient and perfect and never sins. This isn't talking about super-Christians. A righteous person A righteous man is simply someone who looks to Jesus in their need. And that can be any one of us. And it can be any person at all. And so this prayer promise can be really for you. Ordinary you. Ordinary me. If you just look to Jesus and depend on him in your life. Those type of people the ones who have received the righteousness of Christ by grace, knowing they need Him, those people have prayers that are powerful and effective. Second, these verses tell us about prayer, that the promise is for all circumstances. And that's the first verses. Are you in trouble? You should pray. If anyone is happy, let him sing songs of praise. And that's another reference to prayer. Many Christian songs are prayers. And then it talks about calling the elders for prayer if someone is sick. In other words, the promise of prayer is for all times. It's for every situation of life. In trouble and happiness and sickness. Someone wrote that neither suffering or ease, should find us without a suitable Christian prayer and song. And that all makes sense if you think about it, because our faith, the faith of the Bible, covers all of life. The Christian faith isn't only good when life is good. Christian faith isn't only for people who are going through hard times. Christian faith isn't only for you when your business is struggling or when things are booming. It's a faith for people who are sick. The faith of the Bible is for people who are healthy. It's for people who are happy, for people who are sad, those who are mourning, those who are dancing. Our God's sovereign care covers every circumstance of life. And John Calvin writes about prayer that there is no time in our lives in which God does not invite us to himself. And the positive way to put that is every time of life, every circumstance, God invites us to himself. God's sovereign power appoints every circumstance, every minute, every second of our life, And as someone put it, whether as the source of supply in need or as the source of gladness in our joy, whatever the case, it's God. God is our sufficiency. And so prayer to our all and always sufficient and sovereign God is for all times, every situation of life that you could possibly imagine, all circumstances. Third, the promise of prayer is for the church in ministry together. We've got this verse or two about the elders of the church, uh, the anointing oil, the sick person. We covered that really thoroughly when we studied the book of James last year, so no, we're not going to go over that again. What it all means, what it could mean. For tonight, what we see is that prayer is something that God's people do together, it's for the church. We see here a calling for someone in the church who is sick. It's kind of saying a person who is sick, a person who needs prayer, should call the elders. We tell the church about our need when we're in need so that the church, God's people, can be in prayer. And we see a responsibility for the elders to pray. And I know that's something the elders and the deacons, too, of our church take really seriously. As a church, we're a people called to pray together. We pray for one another. That's why we pray at every worship service, spoken prayers, sung prayers. We have special prayer services like tonight. We have a group of men who meet every Wednesday morning, you know, praying for our church, the people of this church, and far beyond. We have prayer times in our small groups, in Bible studies, at GEMS, cadets. I know those kids are praying in Sunday school classes. Prayer is for the church in ministry and worship together. the middle part of our mission statement, we have those three E's as a church, the middle piece of our mission statement is express God's love. William Law once wrote, there is nothing that makes us love a man so much as prayer for him. And so it seems to me that if we want to increase our love for one another in the church, then we will pray for one another. If someone is sick or in trouble and we pray for them, our love for that brother and sister grows. And you know that from your personal experience when we pray for one another in need. As you pray, your love grows. If you've got an issue with someone, pray for them. And watch that issue turn around. Watch your love increase. Two, as we think of our desire to love people outside our church, to to do our best to have a godly love for uh, the leaders of our nation, the people in our community, people who need Jesus. Well, let us be praying for them. And through prayer, we will love them more as God calls us to love those around us. Fourth, and finally, a final thought the promise is ultimately that things happen through prayer. Elijah's prayers, in the couple verses after ours, had results. The sick person, the elders prayed for, that sick person was made well. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. That means that, and there's a mystery here, but it means there is inherent strength in prayer. That's what God's Word tells There's There's potency. When prayer is applied to things and problems, and events, and people. When you apply prayer to anything you can think about, it is effective. We sometimes think that there are Christians who are real prayers, praying people. And then there are other Christians. I'm not so much the praying type. I'm more a doer. There are other Christians who are more action-oriented, more serving-oriented. And obviously, we have different gifts and different passions. But I'm not so sure, based on what James says here, that he would make that distinction. Prayer does stuff. Prayer works. Prayer is working Prayer is doing. Prayer is action in your life and in my life. People who go on a service project are doing something powerful. They are making a difference. People who volunteer at PADS are doing something. But you know what? You know who's also doing something active? The shut-in at Providence who can't even get out of bed and who is praying for her family, for her church, for her nation. That's action. Prayer is powerful. Prayer has effect. We don't always see the effect. We don't always see the impact that we want to, but just because we don't see it, and just because the results aren't always what we want the results of our prayers to be, that does not make God's word untrue. It doesn't negate the promise. Sid Lowe Baxter once said, and I'm sure I've mentioned this before, men may spurn our appeals, reject our message, oppose our arguments, despise our persons, but they are helpless against our prayers. As Christians We've got to remember that in the face of this world we're living in, this culture, our sense that people are rejecting Christ, turning from the truth, turning from God's ways. The Bible promises that when we pray, there will be results. Our prayers have effect, they make a difference. Thomas Lie knew about this promise that we have tonight when he wrote, I'd rather stand against the canons of the wicked than the prayers of the righteous. And once again, this, this potency, this effectiveness, this, this power, faith working, this isn't just for the big shots, spiritually speaking. It's not like God just hears the prayer of a Billy Graham. It's not like he just hears Daniel's prayers. Prayer, this type of prayer, this power, its effectiveness, it's for the ordinary believer. You and I have it, regular us, at our disposal. James gives us a great promise connected to prayer. It's a promise for the ordinary believer, not just super-Christians, It's for every circumstance in life that God's child will find him or herself. It's for our church in worship and ministry together. Let's more and more commit to prayer. In all our gatherings, all our groups, all our committees, prayer. And it's also a promise that things happen through prayer. May God make each one of us more and more a person of prayer.